Well, here we go, Hour 3. Great day for talk radio. It might not be a great day for the automotive industry if this tariff talk that uh, Danny was just alluding to and Lou also mentioned before the top of the hour comes to pass. Wilbur Ross and uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, they've been in, uh, involved in hearings in, uh, in Washington today, and we had uh, many stakeholders from our side of the border down there as well trying to implore uh, the American administration to invoke some common sense as well as economic sense because there would be all kinds of jobs lost. There was a stat I was reading just today. Uh, the Center for Automotive Research says U.S. consumers would see the price of new vehicles rise by anywhere from 455 to $6,875, depending on the level of tariff or quota where the vehicle was assembled and if Canada and Mexico were exempted. And Lou had mentioned that uh, Wilbur Ross had said, he's a Commerce Secretary after all, that uh, Mexico and the U.S. may cobble together their own deal. Would that shut us out? Uh, These are all the questions that are up for discussion and consideration. To help me in that regard, Jerry Diaz has joined us. He's a national president of Unifor. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, based on what's going on. Well, tell me what what is going on. I mean, as I laid it out, uh, I thought, you know... uh, The administration is being told by, amongst others, I I just cited a a stat here from the Center for Automotive Research, the Americans would take a pounding on this play as well. Absolutely. The market is so integrated. There's no way that they can slap 25% tariffs on us and not commit economic suicide themselves. Um, 60% of all parts that go into Canadian assembled vehicles come from the United States. Um, the first thing that will happen if, in fact, he hits, uh, slaps tariffs on us, we hit counter tariffs on the United States, consumers will stop buying, period. And once the consumers stop buying, the industry will shut down, and this is economic carnage at its best. It doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, and let me just go on to say uh, more of this detail from the Center for Automotive Research, if tariffs are slapped on. Auto demand will fall between 494,000 to 2 million vehicles, resulting in the loss of 82,000 to nearly 750,000 auto manufacturing jobs. Absolutely correct. And that, that includes the direct and indirect. That's about 500,000 jobs tied into Ontario, just based on the auto industry. We have about 40,000 direct jobs. Uh, assembly, about another 80,000 in auto parts, but the spinoff is huge. So this is just a fool's game. But And I think what's most concerning is this is really about, to Donald Trump, it's about politics, not about economics. Everybody views things much differently than he does, but he seems to be on a, on a, on a, on a path to destruction, and he seems to believe that this is a political winner for him. I just can't understand what's going on in his mind. Well, especially in the border states that he needed to carry in the last election. I mean, they're the ones that would be impacted. We know all the states, you know, the Rust Belt that uh, are integrated with Ontario's economy as well, right? Absolutely. There is a problem in the auto industry in North America. We are the number one most dumped market in the world. About four and a half million vehicles a year are dumped in Canada, the United States, from around the world, predominantly Japan and, and Korea where we have zero access uh, to their markets. So if he was to say, hey, listen, we're going to deal where there's incredible trade imbalances because they've closed our doors, uh, they've closed their doors to us. There's only a one-way flow of cars, and it's from Japan to the United States, Japan to Canada, and we have no access to their market. For example, in Canada, the Japanese ship 180,000 vehicles a year to us. We ship 200. So if he was to concentrate on the real problem, he would get broad sale support from workers in Canada and the United States, but to somehow paint everyone with the same brush and think that somehow 
uh, this is going to be beneficial for uh, for American citizens. It doesn't make any sense. Again, Jerry Diaz, National President of Unifor on the line. We're talking about the proposed auto tariffs the Trump administration is saber-rattling on. You know, uh, the argument that uh, Japan and Korea, they ship vehicles our way, but we don't send any their way, uh, I've heard it said, well, they don't want our product and we want theirs, and that's why there's no true treaty of reciprocity. The other thing I'm wondering, is it like steel and aluminum that uh, Canada, this is where Trump may be getting his back up, that we're kind of a dumping ground? Do the vehicles come from Asia into Canada and then for uh, therefore find an easier route into America? First of all, let's deal with the first question about Japanese not wanting to buy our vehicles. They don't have the option. They don't have, uh, uh, they can't walk into showrooms and buy Chrysler-made vehicles, GM-made vehicles. They just don't have the opportunity. If, in fact, they import one, then, you know, there's all kinds of, of different frustrations that a Japanese consumer would go through. We call them non-tariff barriers. And that's why we have a lot of discussions with the Japanese about alleviating them and fixing them, of which, of course, they're not going to do. Um, on the, if the second point you're really dealing with was, well, it had to do like with steel. You know, uh, we're seen as uh, an, an indirect route. China dumps us a lot of the product here, and because we've got NAFTA, uh, we send it into the states. And Trump wants to uh, erect barriers against dumping. There, well, there's no question the Chinese and the Koreans uh, dump significantly across the world, including Canada and the United States. One of my concerns, of course, is that if we start slapping tariffs, which the United States has done, and we've reciprocated. You know, it's going to allow the Chinese and the Koreans even more opportunities to, to flood the rest of the world uh, with cheaper steel and aluminum. So, once again, if they're the problem, which they are, well, then deal with the problem. Don't be ca- catching Canada in the crosshairs. It doesn't make any sense. So that's why I keep saying that to him, this is about politics. It's not about economics, because if it was about economics, he would sit back and say, look, Canada's our number one trading partner in the automotive sector. Aside from their home market in the United States, the U.S. ships more cars to Canada than anywhere else around the world. If you take a look at steel, there's a trade imbalance between Canada and the United States. They ship more steel to Canada than we ship to the United States. So if it was about a common sense discussion about trade, he can't somehow include us. We're the number one trading partner for 30 U.S. states. So this is, once again, it's all about politics. And that's, I think, the most frustrating part about it, because you can't have a common sense discussion with a partner that has no common sense. And herein lies the problem. Now, we also heard on our news clip just before you joined us that Canada's planning to hit back. Uh, how can we do that, you know, without hurting ourselves further? Well, it, the, we, we can't do nothing, is my argument. I mean, when the United States slapped tariffs on softwood lumber, we did nothing. So then they felt free to hit, hit us with our paper sector, put tariffs on paper. We did nothing. Then they hit us with a 300% tariff on the C-Series, so they came after aerospace industry. We did nothing. Then they came after aluminum and steel, so now we're fighting back at least. So doing nothing doesn't seem to slow down the American agenda or Trump's agenda. So I think we need to fight fire with fire. I think only the American citizens can say to him, this is hurting us more than it's helping us, so stop it. And unless we create a political environment or economic environment that creates some harm in the United States, then we're just going to take it on the chin. So we need to fight back. Well, can you see that happening, Jerry? I mean, just this week, uh, people in the newspaper industry stateside were saying the tariffs on newsprint coming in from Canada are killing us. And they are. 
the price of houses in the United States have gone up significantly. Why? Because the American consumers are eating the 30-plus percent tariff on imported softwood lumber. The United States needs our wood today more than ever. If you think about what's happened in the last year, fires, floods, bug uh, beetle infestations within the forest in the United States, so they're demanding our wood, so we're shipping it to them, but their consumers are paying so much more. And that's why I think over a period of time, a lot of U.S. consumers are going to say, listen, the theatrics about fighting the world on trade just isn't making any sense because we're the collateral damage. Now, with the automotive, I mean, if the uh, barriers are put up, and uh, is there any, can you see uh, plants being set up strictly for a domestic market? Does that make any sense on economies of scale? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. And it doesn't make any sense that that'll happen in the United States either. What you will see will happen is, A, consumers will back off. B, there will be a wholesale disinvestment from the auto industry. I know the auto industry. I know the players. I know the CEOs. And one thing about them, they are not going to put in place a flawed business model to appeal to Donald Trump. If Donald Trump is putting in place policies that are going to negatively impact uh, their companies, they will fight back. They will send him the strongest of messages, and believe me, they know how. All right, so this is that scorched earth policy uh, that you're saying uh, is not going to work no way, no how, and uh, obviously he would need to have somebody impress that upon him. Where's Wilbur Ross in all of this? Well, he's the the disappointing one to me. Wilbur Ross knows the industry. He owned IAC. He owned major auto parts companies, Canada and the United States. He understands better than anyone else how integrated the system is. I've met with Wilbur Ross three times in the last year over the whole issue of NAFTA, softwood lumber. And he has said to me every time, look, we know the problem's not Canada. On NAFTA, the problem is Mexico. It's the low wages of Mexico. It's the fact that we've closed 10 auto assembly plants in the United States, four in Canada. They've opened eight in Mexico. They're opening two more. The BMW plant that's opening next year, the worker's going to make a buck ten an hour. So he understands where the problem is. So I don't understand how his understanding of the issue, his knowledge of the industry, doesn't transfer into common sense discussions or decisions. I don't know if he's just a pawn in Trump's game and he doesn't have the courage to stand up to him. But ultimately, he understands the industry. He's been living it for decades. What do you make of Trump also suggesting he'd put tariffs on European product coming, like the Mercedes and the BMWs and uh, the Audis and so on and so forth? Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's clearly a trade imbalance uh, between between the the United States and Europe, as as there's a trade imbalance between Canada and Europe as it relates to automobiles. I mean, the Germans especially are pretty smart. You want to uh, sell cars in in their country? You're building them there. That's why you're going to find that Ford, GM, Chrysler, Honda, Toyota, they all have assembly plants in Europe and specifically Germany. So they have a way of ensuring that the manufacturing comes to their country. It's some of those policies that we need to adopt ourselves if, in fact, we're going to strengthen our industry, yet alone just fight for survival. So the uh, the Germans will fight back. The, the European community as a group will fight back. They're not going to let Donald Trump push them around. They will slap tariffs on a whole host of things to get their attention, as they are already doing. But do you think maybe that's Trump's end game here with automotive, because uh, it's primarily those kinds of things that are decimating the domestic product? There's no, you look at the the graph that shows you, uh, you know, the big three, for example, have had their lunch eaten by offshore product. And they have. And, uh, and if you look at their overall business model, 
you'll have Ford, GM, and Chrysler that create hundreds of thousands of jobs in Canada, the United States, saying to Trump, are you kidding? We're good employers. We employ hundreds of thousands of Americans. Why would you tamper with a business model that creates the number one industry in the United States? So if you look at our integrated system, it's not as if Donald Trump can say today, I'm going to slap a 25% tariff on Canadian cars, and everybody's going to say, okay, that's that's quite helpful, because ultimately, many auto parts will cross the border five, six times before they get assembled on a vehicle on either side of the border. So how do you deal with that? That means even if he just slaps a tariff on Canadian stuff, those are going to be all kinds of parts that end up in U.S. assembled vehicles. It's going to drive up the cost of cars in the United States, regardless of, of what he thinks. That's a person that with really a small understanding of the industry. So this doesn't make any sense what he's doing. Every employer that's down there, the UAW, for example, gave a presentation today, the United Auto Workers Union. My counterparts in the United States gave a presentation today that said, listen, we have some real problems with trade in the auto industry. No question about it. And he talked about Korea. They talked about Japan. They talked about the imbalances that I've raised. But they also said, look, the problem's not Canada. When it comes to auto, the trade is completely balanced. Our integrated system says they're not the problem. Leave them alone. So if you have the union that represents the auto workers in the United States saying to the Trump administration, leave Canada alone because it's going to hurt our own members, you think he would listen. But I'm not sure he is. Well, and finally, you've expressed disappointment too, and Andrew Scheer, leader of the official opposition. Why is that? Oh, unbelievable. So here, we're fighting to maintain Canadian auto jobs. And the auto industry, and of course our union, yelled and screamed uh, when the Trudeau government moved ahead uh, to sign the TPP. But at least the Trudeau government has said, okay, look, we realize there's a heck of a lot of backlash here, so we're going to slow it down, and we're going to open it up to stakeholders for more input. So they understand that it's already a bad deal for the auto industry. Everybody's saying it. The government's admitting it. So here Andrew Scheer, without even thinking, says, let's plow ahead and move forward the TPP, as if somehow that's going to be a solution. All it'll do is make it worse. It's such a foolish thing for him to do. As I said earlier, the Japanese ship 180,000 vehicles to Canada a year. We ship 200 back. Is he going to be content when the Japanese ship 400,000 vehicles a year to Canada and we still only ship 200? He doesn't have any economic sense as it relates to the auto industry, so he should keep his nose out of it. All right. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sorry I got your blood pressure up. <laughs> uh, look, Trump got my blood pressure up, my friend, not you. Oh, have a all right. Day, John. Very good. You have a good day. Take care. You too. Jerry Diaz, national president of Unifor. Boy, oh boy, uh, that automotive thing, that's really where the rubber meets the road, no pun intended, but uh, we're going to have to see how this all plays out. It stands to uh, reason that somewhere along the line, uh, there would have to be the acknowledgement of the integrated economies and jobs and uh, all these parts going back and forth. I mean, that's a dog's breakfast if there were to be tariffs imposed uh, on the automotive. I keep wondering and maybe giving the benefit of the doubt that Trump has some larger strategy in play because he's got some pretty good people around him, like Wilbur Ross, as I said, and Jerry Diaz is disappointed in Wilbur Ross because he had an automotive parts company himself, and he understands all of that, and yet and recognized that Mexico with their low wages are the problem insofar as the disparity and uh, then the jobs like flow to, well, the point of least resistance, and that's uh, how that goes. The Mexicans have the jobs and the plants, and if that wealth can be repatriated up north, north of the Rio Grande, uh, then screw them. Uh, we'll all be better served for that. All right.
We'll end on that note. We'll come back. Uh, there are other things I've got here in the hopper that I wanted to bring up to your attention, and uh, we'll do that next on the Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.